0: Welcome, everybody, to The Extra Credit Show. I am Anselmo Moreno.
1: And I'm Richard David.
0: And we are back again with another podcast here to help everybody master their credit score so they can get that extra credit that y'all deserve. And this week, we are talking about credit and divorce, specifically protecting your credit during and after a divorce, because some of the worst credit reports that I've seen, Richard, are post-medical issues and post-divorce.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh Absolutely. I mean, it's just how life goes when you're going through a situation such as divorce. um, Both parties are embittered and they generally don't do very nice
0: things to one another. Normally, when you're going through a divorce, the last thing you're thinking about is protecting your credit score normally. Right. Like sometimes people um, do think about that or more importantly. The other's credit score. Oh, yeah, that's exactly uh, better said uh, because, you know, you're you're kind of battling for custody, battling for stuff. And, and so things, things happen during the divorce. But oftentimes, um, the damage comes after the divorce. And that's kind of a little bit of the details that we're going to get into because, you know, in a divorce proceeding, debts are normally like divided, right? Yes. And you got debts like mortgages, car loans, credit cards. Those types of consumer loans are generally uh, credit... That is credit reported to both people's credit reports if they're joint. And those are the ones that are going to be divided in a divorce decree. Like the court assigns payment responsibilities to one spouse and the other spouse. And that's where things get messy. That's where the misconception normally happens. Let's take, for example, in a typical divorce proceeding, let's just say the average one, you have a house, a car, and some credit cards up for grabs. Okay. Right. And so in the divorce proceeding, the, the, one spouse keeps the house and then the other house spouse keeps the car but both loans were joined okay so then the judge says all right so you get to keep the house so therefore you have to make the house payment okay pretty standard stuff right always so so you have the in the contract that the the spouse that keeps the house makes the car payment but then that the the loan was joint and that spouse fails to make the payments Okay. So now we see a credit report and we have a whole bunch of mortgage lates on there. Mm -hmm. But the the common, 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 common excuse is, well, the judge ordered that that's my spouse's debt, so I'm not making those payments, but it's still hurting my credit report.
1: Guys, you have to understand that the judge may distribute debts and assets, but... He cannot change a contract unless there is a good reason for him to change the contract. In the end, the contract is a contract is a contract. And if you sign this contract, you are responsible for the debt. Just because the judge ordered the other spouse to pay for the debt doesn't mean that if she stops paying for it, the original creditor won't come after you. Right. You're still legally
0: bound to them. The, I think that the, that's the most common misconception is that You know the credit score formula doesn't take into consideration my ex-spouse is supposed to pay for that (laughs) That that's not in the credit scoring criteria the agreement that you make your divorce decree is going to bind you your ex-spouse and the court into honoring this particular arrangement of debts that are divided and assets that are divided but it's not going to bind the creditor that issued the loan exactly The mortgage company that issued the loan doesn't care about this agreement between you and your ex-spouse and they don't care about who's making the payment right they they don't
1: even care about the judge's rule
0: it's it's the it is the judge's ruling does not extend to creditors so it's not gonna force a, a credit card company or a mortgage company or an auto loan company into removing you from the loan
1: Mm-mm.
0: bottom line you're not going to be removed from the loan if you're a joint co-signer or a joint signer you will not be removed of the loan because of the divorce even if all parties agreed to it because the loan company typically is not going to agree to well, it.
1: well and exactly and that's that's the point is that not all parties have agreed to it the creditor
0: has nothing to do with this And after the divorce is done, you know, you you think like, well, can I just call them and be removed? I have this judge's Mm -hmm. order here. Can I call the bank and have them remove myself from the loan? That's especially in a real estate loan. That does not happen.
1: Now, we've gone over that in some of our previous episodes. Um, You cannot just simply be removed from a a credit uh, application, a credit loan. If your name is on the loan, you're a guarantor. You're guaranteeing that you're gonna pay this loan. A bank isn't just gonna willingly release you
0: from that obligation. They want their money. Just like we it was last week where we talked about co-signing and credit scores. Yep. You know, it's it's the same thing. a co-signer is the same thing as a joint loan holder. And and most of the time, joint loan holders are held, you know, between spouses. And if those spouses terminate their marriage, it does not terminate the contract that they signed on the home or the car. So again, if you give up a house or you give up a car and the existing loan attached to it in a divorce proceeding, and your spouse is supposed to pay for that, it's still on your credit report. And if they pay late, it's still gonna affect your credit report. And on the other side, if they pay on time, it will help your credit score as well. But ultimately, what is the only way that that person can remove themselves from that loan?
1: Is if the other individual refinances the the account under their own name
0: and the problem that happens when you try to refinance after a divorce is that there's probably credit damage that will prohibit the person from refinancing exactly right if, if there was some mispayments or some uh defaults on some debts they're not going to be able to refinance likely because either the credit score is very low or the car maybe is not worth what they owe anymore they're a negative negative equity position or on a home they could be in a negative equity position as well or potentially the interest rates aren't the same their income by themselves doesn't qualify them for the loan anymore right there's a number of things that can happen that will prohibit the spouse from refinancing the property or refinancing the car loan on their own so
1: in hindsight even if you're married don't co-sign with your with your spouse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean that keep was, your
1: stuff separate. <laughs> that was the theme of the show last week is don't co-sign. And that, that's actually an interesting
0: <laughs> strategy is if you're married, um, do you keep things separate, right? Because we've answered that on the show before. The the question was posed to us if you do get married, do your credit reports combine? No. Your credit reports don't combine, but
1: anything you obtain together. Uh, you sign for together that's in
0: both credit reports and and so you know so now you have joint accounts and sometimes you have a joint account for several reasons mainly mortgages you need both incomes to qualify that could be a potential reason Uh, but sometimes spouses just kind of get things jointly just because no real strategy or thought behind it so maybe let's work that out uh if you are married you're hopefully not planning on getting a divorce but let's think about that for a second if you're married why should you have joint accounts? For example, let's just start with a basic, a credit card. Should a, a husband and wife have a joint credit card? Should they, like, yes or no? That's a difficult
1: answer, a question to answer because there's so many different situations. Just in general, like, and,
0: I actually don't see a reason right now off the top of my head why a spouse and a, hus- a spouses should have joint credit cards. They, no, they shouldn't. But there's really no reason, I mean, you can, and so you can have a credit card and you can add your spouse as an authorized user. Yes. So then, you know, if that is a for your household budget, that card is mainly what you, your gas card, mm-hmm. right? Or your, you know, your grocery card, whatever it may be, you can technically both use the same account, but not both be joint account holders. Well, this right? is true. So technically, I don't see a reason why you should have joint accounts or joint credit cards. In a divorce, joint credit cards could be divided Right, as you agree, they could, you know, the judge may decide, or you guys may agree on a settlement that you take that debt, I take that debt. But in a divorce, if it's a joint account, um, and you're an authorized user, you can remove yourself as an authorized user and remove yourself from the liability and remove your risk for adverse credit reporting. So, so credit exactly. cards, I say no. Let's go through. What about cars? Is there a reason why you should have a joint car?
1: I would say no again. Yeah, me too. It, there's really no point to having both names in one car. You never know what's gonna happen in the future. You never know if incomes are gonna dwindle. You know, someone may have gotten hurt, someone may have lost a job. Why put yourself at risk of possibly hurting both people's credit scores when there's no reason to do so?
0: On the flip side, even though I still agree that there's no reason to have joint car loans or joint car leases, um, I guess the, the only upside I can see is that if you have a joint car lease, and you pay all the bills on time. It could technically help both spouses' credit reports. That's, But that's really, you it, know. It can, but that's
1: an installment loan. An installment loan is not uh, as impactful as revolving loans. So if you really want to improve your credit and you really have to have something joint, you know, we go back to being an authorized user on a revolving trade line, a credit card. Or just you know building your credit on
0: your own exactly through secured loans and and issues like like you don't have to be a joint you you know joint applicant on a car loan and i mean this just happened to me we went to trade in my my wife's car and she wanted an suv so um we were returning her lease we're getting an suv and the salesman immediately like without even thinking Asked for both of our information for the credit application, and I just nope. sat there and was like, "No, there's no reason for me to be on this. She can fully qualify for this on her own. She doesn't need me. She has her own credit or her own income. Like I have no business being on this, uh, Carlo. Not because you know, there's other than the fact that she doesn't need me. She can do it on her own. I didn't want a new account on my credit report or a just, new inquiry. I, you know, so I had no business being involved in it. And she got it just fine, no problems, right? So. Credit cards, I would say no. Car loans, I would say no. And it's not because you're planning on getting divorced. Um, it's just overall, it keeps things... Um, just in case, have a prenup. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, there's not, it's not. it doesn't really have anything to do with a prenup. It's just um, the risk is less, right? Of course. Um, but a house, a house is probably the only thing that I can see that it could potentially require both spouses to be
1: applicants on it. I mean, sure. It depends. It really depends on your taste. If you want the best possible house you guys can afford, then yes, you're both going to sign for it because you need both incomes.
0: If there is both incomes.
1: If there is yeah, both if incomes. If there's two incomes
0: and and you need both incomes to qualify for the house. Very great
1: point. Yeah. If there is not two incomes and, and there's no reason for both people to be on the loan, and I understand that you know, oh, this is my spouse. They're going to be with me forever. I want them to be joint. You can place another individual on the title of the home without having them being tied down to the loan so there's no reason
0: for the spouse if there is no income to be on the loan yeah i mean that's a that's normally the number one question that we'll ask is you want to improve your spouse's credit report because you want to buy a house well does your first of all does your spouse have income if the answer is no then we can kind of not necessarily ignore the spouse's credit, but it has less priority over the one spouse that does have the income, because they're the one that are gonna be qualifying for the mortgage loan. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you know both spouses are working and they both have income, then they both potentially can contribute to the joint loan application. And that's probably the only scenario where I can think of a joint application.
1: Here's a question. If you love your spouse, do you love him enough now to let him be free and clear of damage when you get
0: divorced? (laughs) because <laughs> if the answer is yes then keep them separate yeah I, I just think overall keeping your credit profile separate not because they merge because you're married but keeping them separate for practical reasons is a, is a good idea um you know if you're if you don't need both of your names on the account you really shouldn't Mm-mm. um because in the end if for some reason one spouse pays one bill late and you just are joint just because then both of your credits get damaged It Um, it happens
1: all the time, guys. I see it all the time. Don't put yourself in that situation. Um, Again, spouses, you know, I understand you guys are married. You guys love each other. You trust each other. But things happen. Sometimes people forget. And just because of something as simple as forgetting you should not put yourself in a situation where you're no longer going to qualify for loans because your score just took a big hit over and, a simple 30-day
0: late. But And you have no control over it. And you have you know, no control you, over it. Especially if you're under the mindset of, well, that's my ex-spouse's account and the judge said they're supposed to pay for it and they're not paying for it. Like, what do you do now? You know, like either you sue them in civil court and and try to, Fix it that way which is a whole nother mess or you take control of the account like we mentioned in our co-signing episode and you make the payments and have the person pay you or the ex-spouse pay you but guess what the reason why you got divorced is probably because you don't want to be dealing with that person and you know involving yourself in this kind of situation is going to put you right back in where you are having to deal with this person um for financial issues which is probably why you guys got divorced in the first place financial issues are the reason why most people get divorced, according to some statistic I saw on the internet. <laughs> and remember, guys,
1: even if you do take this individual back to court, all you're going to do is find them in contempt of the agreement. That still does not force the creditors to help you out and remove any
0: derogatories from your credit report. So in the end, you're still SOL. Yeah. And, you know, to, to add another element that often happens in divorce cases is where one spouse files bankruptcy and the other spouse does not. Mm. So, in this particular case, um, it happens very often, and and so, if you have a joint debt, the same scenario, you have uh, say the the house, it's under both their names, but one house kept one spouse kept it, and then the other spouse filed for bankruptcy protection. You know, that is where um, you can really, I think you can protect yourself from any future late payments. Because if you filed bankruptcy on your liability, if the spouse continues to pay late on the house, those late payments can't reflect on your report because that debt was technically discharged under your bankruptcy. Exactly. And that can apply to credit cards and car loans as well. If you, if the judge assigned you that you got to pay these credit cards and you file bankruptcy on them, you don't have to pay them, right? And the other spouse, they can go after the other spouse. Um and they can report on the other spouse's credit report, but not the spouse who filed bankruptcy because they're protected under Chapter 7 bankruptcy protection, if they did indeed do that. And that's where a lot of people um, get confused, is if once one applicant, whether it's a spouse or not, guys, so this is even applies to co-signers, whether it's a co-signer or a joint applicant under a spouse's situation, if one spouse files for bankruptcy, they're in the clear, but the other spouse is still liable and the creditors can or go co-signer. after... Or cosigner can go after them um, and they can sue them, garnish wages, do all the traditional debt collector stuff. Um, so that's a big one. I often advise people that if they're going to be filing bankruptcy, you know, just both of them file, whether they're getting divorced or um, they're working out some financial issues. It's often advised that if there's joint debt, both of them file. And, and
1: this this is especially true
0: if the state you live in is a
1: community property state. Because even sometimes even if you're not on the account, if you're in a community property state, then half the debt is technically yours. And there are certain ways where creditors will come after you regardless of whether your name is on it or not.
0: Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to the point we were trying to mention earlier is if you don't have joint debts, what you don't have to file a joint bankruptcy on the debts. Mm-hmm. And So if worse, the case scenario happens, even if you don't get divorced, but one spouse, say, loses their job, becomes, you know, medical catastrophe, and they're just out of commission for a while, all their debts get backed up, well, that person alone could file bankruptcy. And since it's not a joint debt, um, you can you don't have to be a party to the bankruptcy, and it's unlikely the creditors are going to come after you. There's always those weird issues where it's a community property state, and, you know, we can... Dive into that, but talk talk to a, an attorney for clarification on those issues. B- but ultimately, the point is driven that if you didn't have joint debt, you wouldn't have to do a joint bankruptcy because one spouse lost their job or became seriously ill or mm-hmm. something along those lines. So, guys, think about it in those terms. I mean, you know, divorce is always uh, a tough time. It always has problems with it, of course. Um, and obviously, we don't wish it on anybody. And most people don't plan on getting divorced, but it happens at a very high rate. Um, divorce attorneys are very, very busy these days, so you guys have to kind of keep in mind and understand why you engage in a joint application. And like we just worked it out, I don't see a reason why you should have cre- joint credit cards or joint car loans. Mm-hmm. If you can, if you don't have to have a joint home loan, then don't. Um, but if you have to, then I guess we'll we'll give you a pass on that one. Um, but so, yeah,
1: think about it. So again. You know, keep your credit separated unless there's an absolute need for income purposes to have a joint account. Don't do it. You know, you never know if you get divorced. This will actually somewhat protect both of you. Yeah. And if you do ever decide to get divorced, at least be fun about it and do it in divorce court. I want to see it.
0: (laughs) So, guys, you know, just to wrap it up and drive the point home, the agreement that you have with your spouse and the attorney or and the judge, in your divorce decree does not bind your creditors so they don't have to remove your name from the loan if the debt was assigned to the other person uh, that's a big one don't think that just because it's in a court order and the judge signed it that it binds the creditor to honor it they don't have to remove you from the liability you still sign the promissory note and they're not a party to that agreement share that with everybody that you know that potentially is getting divorced um and if you're thinking about getting divorced um you know, or you know somebody that is, share this show or share this particular episode with them um, because it's it's an issue and it's a common issue.
1: And if you have any credit relation, related questions in regards to divorce, contact us at the Extra Credit Show.
0: Yeah. We'll be happy to answer your questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, follow us on Instagram at the Extra Credit Show. You can always send us a message there. You can email us at the Extra Credit Show at gmail.com and you can find us at the Extra Credit Show.com. Um, I think that's about it for this week's episode. Um, what should we
1: assign as a cre- extra credit task of the week? Get divorced? <laughs> <laughs> no. S- start separating your accounts if you can. If that's a great one. Yeah, if you if you don't need to be joint, start separating your accounts and if you can't, do not establish accounts together from this point on.
0: Yeah, you know, it's actually it's easy. If both of you have good credit, it's very easy to separate them because all you do is close one credit. If you have a joint credit card, you close it. Maybe you open up another one. If you have a joint car loan, um, you can repay. You can pay it down to the point where you have equity. So maybe you don't do it right away, but at some point you will refinance it only under your name. Or if you can right now, you refinance it only under your name. Those are all things that you guys can do right now just to kind of keep your credit separate not because you're planning a divorce but it it just keeps things it's like you know it's safety like it's keeping things clean and keeping things so that you can manage them easily in the event of a catastrophe whether it be a divorce or a job loss or layoff like you let one person's credit go but you still retain one so you guys still stay married you know obviously life's good but if you have to let one person's credit go, you can still have one spouse's credit to be in good standing to help you get through.
1: Exactly. And that, that was a point I was about to make is, you know, the topic of this show is credit and divorce, but if something happens, you would definitely want your spouse, you know, not, not divorce related. You would want your spouse to be able to provide you or obtain credit to get you through the tough times. So, you know, leave their credit intact. That way, if you suffer the injury and your credit is shot, you have something to fall back on.
0: Yeah, a good example, guys, is if, if your spouse loses their job or falls seriously ill and they have the car loan under their name only, they can get let the car go, get a repo and a deficiency balance under their name only, and your credit is still fine. But if it's a joint car loan, you have a much tougher chance or... De- decision to make it to let that car go because now you'll have both credit reports with a repossession on there and both credit reports will be damaged. Um, and, a, and that's very hard to recover from. And when times get tough, the first thing to go are credit cards and cars. So those are the first things that are going to damage your credit reports. Now, just for clarification purposes,
1: we're not recommending you let your accounts go. But w- when times get tough,
0: there is a strategy behind that. Yeah it's just what we see when Mm -hmm. when when you got to put food on the table and gas in the gas tank the last thing you think about is your credit cards exactly so it's just life life happens um be prepared if you're smart with it and you know how things work you're going to be able to navigate them with a little less stress a little bit more confidence and a little bit more clear of a of a plan um i think that's about it for this week's show anything else richard no at this point
1: uh See you guys next week. Uh, Just keep listening to us. And again, if you have any more questions,
0: feel free to ask us. Guys, I am Anselmo Moreno. I'm Richard David. We'll see you guys next time.